You are now listening to Mark's Unexplained World by Mark the Medium from Hinkley Community Radio, a non-profit podcast radio station. Tonight's episode is about the missing Fort Worth trio. Over to you, Mark. The missing Fort Worth trio refers to an unsolved missing persons case that began on the 23rd of December 1974 when three girls named Julie Ann Mosley, Mary Rachel Tralisa and Lisa Renee Wilson disappeared whilst doing their Christmas shopping at the Seminary South Shopping Centre located at Fort Worth, Texas, in the United States. The car the girls were driving in at the time was an Oldsmobile 98, the 1972 model, and was found left behind in the Sears parking lot at the shopping mall. The case shocked the community at Fort Worth, and left the girls' families having to adjust to their new lives living without their daughters. Thousands of leads have been followed over the years, dozens of searches completed and hundreds of people interviewed. But all attempts to find the three girls have proven fruitless, and the girls had never been seen since that day. Greetings, unexplainers. Thank you for tuning in again and listening to this, another episode of Mark's Unexplained World. My name is Mark Hughes. I'm a psychic medium, a true crime buff, and a guy who meditates to heavy metal. In this episode, I'm going to tell you the unexplained story about the missing Fort Worth trio. And this week's necessary disclaimer. This story is a tale that sadly involves missing people, particularly young teenage people, so may prove upsetting to some. As usual, you listen at your own discretion and all opinions and comments are strictly my own, but the facts of the case still remain. I'd also apologise if I pronounce anything incorrectly. My English, although it is my first and only language, does have a mind of its own at times. So much so that it drinks beer and watches the television when I'm not looking. Anyway, let's get back to this week's yarn. The eldest of the three girls was Mary Rachel Tralisa, who was 17 years old at the time of her disappearance. And although her first name was Mary, she was more commonly known to go by her middle name of Rachel. Rachel was a white female, 5 feet 6 inches or 1.68 metres in height, 108 pounds or 49 kilos, with long brown hair, green eyes, a chipped upper front tooth and had a small scar on her chin. 
She was a married high school student at Southwest High School in Fort Worth and drove an Oldsmobile 98, the 1972 model. Please don't ask me what that looks like as I haven't got a single clue when it comes to cars. Rachel had been married to her husband, Tommy Tralisa, for about six months and wore a wedding ring at the time that her and her two friends vanished. So Rachel Tralisa's maiden name was Arnold. On the day of the girls' disappearance, they drove to the Seminary South shopping centre in Rachel Tralisa's Oldsmobile's, sorry, Oldsmobile 98 car. Next up is Lisa Renee Wilson, who was only 14 years old at the time of her disappearance. Like Rachel Tralisa, she is also best known by her middle name of Rene. She and Rachel Tralisa had been friends for many years and their respective families were also very close as well. She was a fair-skinned white female, around 5 feet 2 inches or 1.57 metres in height, 110 pounds or 50 kilos, White, sorry, white with light wavy brown hair, brown eyes, and a prominent scar on the inside of one of her thighs. The clothing she was known to be wearing at the time that she disappeared includes a, a, a pair of bluish purple hip hugger pants, a white pullover sweatshirt with sweet honesty in green letters, although some have reported it as a, a pale yellow t-shirt with green letters, red and white Oxford shoes and a promise ring with a single clear stone. Renee Wilson had a serious boyfriend at the time named Terry, who had just given her the promise ring as an early Christmas present. Last of all, the youngest of the three girls was Julie Ann Mosley, who was only nine years old at the time of her disappearance. She lived across the street from Renee Wilson's grandmother and was the younger sister of Renee's boyfriend, Terry. She was a white female, four feet three inches or 1.30 meters in height, 85 pounds or 39 kilos, with shoulder-length sandy blonde hair and blue eyes. She had a, a small scar under her left eye, a scar in the middle of her forehead and a third scar on the back of her calf. She was known to be wearing a red shirt and dark jeans and red tennis shoes at the time of her disappearance. Before we get into the story of the girl's disappearance, let's have a quick look at Fort Worth itself. According to Wikipedia, Fort Worth is the fifth most populous city in the United States, state of Texas, and is the 13th most populous city in the United States of America. 
It is the county seat of Tarrant County, an area that covers nearly 350 square miles that branch out into four other counties, namely Denton, Johnson, Parker and Wise. According to a 2022 United States census estimate, Fort Worth's population was 956,709. Fort Worth is the second largest city in the Dallas-Fort Worth-Arlington metropolitan area, which in turn is the fourth most popular metropolitan area in the United States and the most popular in Texas itself. The city of Fort Worth was established back in 1849 as an army outpost on a bluff, otherwise known as a broad rounded cliff, usually overlooking a body of water, in this case the Trinity River. It was historically it, sorry, I'll try that one again. It has historically been a centre of the Texas Longhorn cattle trade, and it still embraces its Western heritage and traditional architecture and design. The US Fort Worth was the first ship of the United States Navy that was named after the city Fort Worth and the area is the location of several university communities, including Texas Christian University, Texas Wazerland, University of North Texas Health Science Center, and Texas A&M University School of Law. Several multinational corporations, including Bell Textron, American Airlines, BNSF, Railway and Chip One Exchange are all headquartered in Fort Worth. After this first short break, in part two, we will look at the morning of the three girls' disappearance and the investigation that followed. This show is brought to you courtesy of Neil Packer and the Haunted Antiques Paranormal Research Centre. Find them online at www.hauntedresearchcentre.com or at 9211 Regent Street, Hinkley, LE 10-1AW. Open on Saturdays from 10am to 4pm for guided tours of the haunted rooms at just £3 per person. Booking is essential at all times and over 16s only please unless accompanied by an adult. The haunted rooms are extremely haunted and paranormal activity could and has taken place at any time. Some areas and particular objects or items can be quite scary and unnerving. Membership is available for £25 to qualify for selective offers. And why not download the app 
available on both iOS and Android for only $3.99 to keep up to date with what is coming up at the centre. On the 23rd of December in 1974, Rachel, Talisa and Renee Wilson decided that they wanted to do some last-minute Christmas shopping. Nine-year-old Julie Mosley asked if she could tag along with the pair, mainly because she was bored and didn't want to spend the day at home on her own. Rachel and Renee told Julie that she needed to get permission from her mother first. So, on being told that she would need to get permission to go, Julie Mosley ran inside her home and asked her mother, Rianne Mosley, if she could go shopping with the other girls. At first, her mother was very reluctant to let her go as Julie didn't have any money and while her mother knew Rachel Trelisa, she wasn't very well acquainted with Renee Wilson. But after a little pressure from the nine-year-old, her mother finally relented, knowing that her daughter would be very lonely if she was let to be left behind. Rayanne Mosley would later recall, and I quote, I was working for an electrical contractor and my husband and I were separated it was a bitter, bitter time. I remember that Juki called and wanted to go to Seminary South. I said, no, you don't have any money. You just stay at home. I knew Rennie and her mother, but I really didn't know Rachel. But she, Julie that is, kept whining about how she wouldn't have anybody to play with. I finally gave in, but I told her to be home by six. The older girls, specifically Rennie Wilson, wanted to be back by 4pm anyway because she had a Christmas party she wanted to go to with her new boyfriend who had given her the promise ring that morning and she wanted plenty of time to get ready. Ah, young love. So, off the girls went in Rachel Trelisa's Oldsmobile 98 motor vehicle, wide-eyed, and full of anticipation of a solid day's Christmas shopping, rather them than me. Time for an interesting side note, I think, mainly for the petrol heads out there. The Oldsmobile 98 was a brand of American automobile, produced for most of its existence by General Motors. It was originally established as Olds Motor Vehicle Company by Ransom E. Olds in 1897 and produced over 35 million vehicles, including at least 14 million built at its Lansing, Michigan factory alone. During its time as a division of General Motors, Oldsmobile slotted into the middle of GM's five passenger car divisions. It was also noted for several groundbreaking technologies and designs. When it shut down in 2004, Oldsmobile was the oldest surviving American automobile marquee 
and one of the oldest in the world after Peugeot, Renault, Fiat and Opel. The girls first headed to a surplus store in Fort Worth to pick up some layaway items that Rene had been had waiting for her or items that were put to one side by the shop ready for the girls to collect later on in the day. From there, the three girls then headed to the Seminary South Shopping Centre, which is now known today as mainly a Spanish-themed shopping centre called La Gran Plaza de Fort Worth. During the investigation, it was found that several witnesses had reported seeing the three girls in the mall that day. When the girls didn't return home that day, their respective families all became very concerned. So much so that they decided to investigate themselves and travelled up to the Seminary South Shopping Centre to search for them. The families arrived at the shopping centre at around 6pm. However, when they got to the Seminary South Shopping Centre car park, they found Rachel Trelisa's Oldsmobile 98 car parked on the upper level of the Sears parking lot. However, as hard as they looked, there was no sight nor sound of any of the three girls. It appeared that the girls had made it back to the car at least once that afternoon, because the gifts that they had already purchased were found on the back seat of the Oldsmobile 98. Now, there appears to be a little bit of a mixed opinion here when it comes to the claim that the gifts were in the back of the car. During my research, I found that some websites and books report that the car was indeed full of gifts. And some other forms of research say that they were actually no bags from the shopping mall inside the car and that they were only, only the layaway items that Rene Wilson had picked up from the surplus store in Fort Worth earlier. As well as a wrapped present that she had brought with her to give to Rachel Trelisa's stepson. The families stayed at the mall all night, waiting for the girls to return to the car, but they never showed up. The next day, when the girls had still failed to turn up anywhere, the police were called and the case was quickly handed to the Youth Division of the Fort Worth Police Department or the FWDP Missing Persons Bureau. As with many missing person cases involving young people, the Missing Persons Bureau presumed that the girls were probably just runaways. However, their families refused to believe this, pointing out that Renee Wilson had been eager to attend a Christmas party that night and that nine-year-old Julie Mosley would never have wanted to leave town just before Christmas Day. The next day, just to add more confusion to the disappearance, Rachel Trelisa's husband, Tommy Trelisa, received a letter that appeared to have been written by his wife Rachel 
It read, and I quote, I know I'm going to catch it, but we had to get away. We were going to Houston. See you in about a week. The car is in Sears Upper Parking Lot. Love, Rachel. Strangely enough, while the addressed envelope was written in pencil, the letter itself was actually written in ink. And another thing that was pointed out was that the sheet of paper was wider than the envelope. A small point, I know, but one that I think should be pointed out. It was also addressed to a Thomas A. Trelisa, instead of the less formal Tommy, or Tom, as his wife Rachel Trelisa normally called him. And the name Rachel was written in the upper left-hand corner of the envelope. Another thing that was wrong with the letter was that, that was that it appeared to have been initially misspelt, as the letter I in her name was written as a lowercase letter E, but then it had been gone over again to form the correct letter I. I hope you're keeping up. And not only that, but the postmark did not contain a city, only a blurred zip code that appeared to read as 76083, but the number 3 appeared to either be backward as though it was applied by a hand-loaded stamp or a partial number 8. It was assumed that, that the zip code was meant to read as either 76... Sorry, get my tongue in, sh in shape. 76038, which comes from Ellisville, or 76088, which comes from Weatherford. And lastly, on top of all this, Rachel Trelisa's parents were adamant that it wasn't even her handwriting. Over the years, handwriting experts across the nation, including the Federal Bureau of Investigation, have yielded inconclusive results as to the legitimacy of the letter. Despite Tommy Trelisa receiving the letter, the girls' families refused to believe that it was written by Rachel Trelisa, nor that the girls had actually run away. Julie Mosley's mother, Rayanne Mosley, stated, and I quote, I know my daughter, and I know those other girls, and they are not runaways. Judy Wilson, Renee Wilson's mother, stated, and I quote, I could have told you that night that they didn't run away. Rennie wanted to go to that party and to a nine-year-old is going to run off two days before Christmas. Everybody knows that. And Frances Langston, Langston Rachel Trelisa's mother, believing that the girls had been abducted, said, and I quote, A lot of people, they think they left with someone they knew, but I'll always think until the day I die that the girls were taken. After this second short break, in our final part, we will look at further details into the girls' disappearance and what some of the witnesses claim to have seen the day they vanished. Fright Nights was established in 1999 
as the first company in the world to offer overnight ghost hunt experiences to the general public, pioneering paranormal events since the last century. Fright Nights operate at hundreds of the UK's most haunted and exclusive venues. All events have their own team of experienced paranormal investigators, mediums and psychics. They have a VIP members club for regular returning guests, offering loyalty discounts and exclusive invitation only events. They can also host private events for your family and friends. You can contact them on 07852-998-628 or email them at office at frightnights.co.uk or take a look at their website at www.frightnights.co.uk where you can see the many locations they investigate and learn about them and the opportunities they have available. Hundreds of ghost hunters join Fright Nights every month for the most thrilling ghost hunting experiences they'll never forget. If you haven't been on a ghost hunt before, then why not join them to see what it's all about? Why not visit their social media sites for up-to-date information on all the places they visit and to see what's coming up in the future? They look forward to seeing you all soon. Fright Nights Ghost Hunting Events Remember, only the original will do. With the families not willing to give up, they contacted newspapers across the country and dis distributed missing person flyers throughout the state of Texas. Eventually, and slowly over time, tips began to come in, and witnesses started to come forward. In early 1975, a young man claiming to be an acquaintance of one of the missing girls, namely Rachel Tralisa, stepped forward and claimed that he saw the three girls in the record department of a store inside the Seminary South Shopping Centre Mall, just before they disappeared. According to this witness, he and Rachel Tralisa saw each other and had a brief conversation. This witness also claimed that there appeared to be another person with the girls. With the families becoming more and more frustrated with the police investigation, they decided to hire a private detective going by the name of John Swain. In August of 1975, John Swain discovered that a 20-year-old man who had worked for a local store where Rachel Tralisa had applied for a job before her disappearance was making a string of obscene phone calls to females within the area. He also discovered that the 28-year-old man was using his position at the store to obtain information from young women who had either submitted a job application or had been listed as a contact for a referee. It was later discovered that up to six female job applicants had been receiving obscene phone calls from this, this piece of work, which is probably the best way to describe him. 
and that he also once lived in the neighbourhood of Rachel Trelisa's parents who had moved away shortly before Rachel married. However, despite all this, in the end, nothing came of the investigation into this person. In the April of 1975, John Swain went to Port Lavaca in Calhoun County with around 100 volunteers to search under any local bridges after receiving a tip-off that the girls had been murdered and their bodies had been dumped. However, as you would expect, no trace of any of the girls was ever found. In March of the same year, a psychic called one of the families and told them that the girls could be found near an oil well. For reasons that aren't very clear, the searchers then focused on a small community of Rising Star just outside Albaline. However, again, nothing was ever found. Interestingly enough though, a year later in the April of 1976, Three skeletons were found in a field in Brazoria County, Texas by an oil drilling crew. Private detective John Swain had the bones compared to the x-rays and dental records of the three girls, but it sadly turned out to be the bones belonging to a teenage boy about 15 to 17 years of age and two other females who were not identified as being any of the missing Fort Worth trio. A few years later, in 1979, private detective John Swain died following a drug overdose. His death was subsequently ruled a suicide, believed to be initiated by a pretty bad divorce he was dealing with at the time. In a very strange twist to the story, John Swain had ordered that all the files relating to the Fort Worth Trio case be destroyed upon his death. So sadly, whatever he may have discovered whilst working on the case in his final months, unfortunately died with him. Now, I've got to be honest here, and I'm sure you're asking the same question as to John Swain's action regarding the case file for the Fort Worth trio. And that is, why? It seems so absurd. Why destroy the case file? Did the case trigger something within him? Did he feel perhaps it was too harrowing for the family to read? Was he threatened by someone somehow? I have looked through various private investigators' websites for do's and don'ts, and I can't find any reason as to why he would take this drastic action of destroying the case files. I mean, it is such an important case with all the witness statements, contact details, dates and, well, everything that was needed for any successor to continue with the case. All it really does is bring about further suspicion and conspiracy. But of course, this is just my opinion and I doubt I will ever know why John Swain decided to take this course of action. In fact, I doubt anyone will ever know. In January 2001, the case was reopened and assigned to a homicide detective called John Boucher, 
who believes the girls left the Seminary South Shopping Centre Mall with some someone they trusted, he said. And I quote, We can say that they were uh, at one point seen with an individual, but we believe that there was more than one person involved. The police interviewed at least 20 new witnesses at the time who had seen the girls at the Seminary South Shopping Centre Mall that day and reportedly narrowed their suspect list down to just five individuals. However, no, no arrests were ever made and no charges were ever brought against them. Later that same year, a former Fort Worth police officer and security guard at the Seminary South Sears outlet came forward to report that he'd spotted three girls with a young male security guard inside a pickup truck on the 23rd of December 1974. He said that they, they had appeared perfectly happy with the company of the security guard and were even laughing. In 2018, it was learned that three cars, although some websites say it was only two cars, were found at the bottom of Benbrook Lake, a reservoir on the clear fork of the Trinity River in Tarrant County, Texas, located just eight short miles away from the Seminary South Shopping Center Mall. Although these cars were at the time thought to have been connected to the case, they yielded no results. Over the years, police investigators and the families have continued to search through Texas and have explored hundreds of places and locations. The families have even walked through creek beds, swamps and country roads, still unfortunately coming up with blanks every time. So here we are today, decades after the disappearance of the three girls, with no reports of any new developments within or around the case. There is currently a Missing Fort Worth Trio, Trio Facebook group, which has approximately 12,300 members at the time of writing this show. It is a closed group, so if you find it and want to join, you'll have to request to be a member first. Today, the case of the missing Fort Worth trio remains open and active. The remaining family members are of course still hopeful that one day they will have definitive answers as to what happened to their missing daughters and why they literally vanished all those years ago. So if you or anyone you know have any information regarding the three missing girls Julie Ann Mosley, Mary Rachel Trelisa, and Lisa, Mar sorry, Lisa Renee Wilson. Please contact the Fort Worth, Texas, to Pol Texas Police Department on 0817-392-4222. That's 817-392-4222.
Or alternatively, you can contact 911 in the US to report a lost or missing person. I will leave these contact numbers in the description of this show on my Mark's Unexplained World Facebook group. Thank you all for taking the time out to listen to this episode of Mark's Unexplained World. In our next episode, show 64, we are going to be looking at the 1952 Washington UFO incident. From July the 12th to July the 29th, back in 1952, a series of unidentified flying objects were reported in Washington DC and later they became known as the Washington Flap, the Washington National Airport sightings or the invasion of Washington. The most publicised sightings took place on consecutive weekends, namely July the 19th to 20th and July the 26th to 27th. UFO historian Curtis Peebles called the incident the climax of the UFO flap. He also said, and I quote, Never before or after did Project Blue Book and the Air Force undergo such a tidal wave of UFO reports. This show was written and researched by myself, Mark Hughes, and proofread and edited by Linda Hughes. The actors in this episode were Mark Hughes, Linda Hughes and Denise Pooler. With special thanks to Neil Packer and the staff of the Haunted Antiques Paranormal Research Centre in Hinkley and a big thanks to everyone for listening. Mark's Unexplained World because there's more to the paranormal than meets the third eye. And remember guys, keep it real because being real is better than being perfect. This show and all its contents are covered by basic copyright of Mark the Medium. <laughs>